So the topic tonight is Mishle. Uh, we're going to try to decipher a little bit of Mishle. Mishle is a very, very big cipher. has 31 prakim. Um, and uh, Bir Hagra is, is, uh, is quite extensive, even though it's very terse and concise. Yet it's, it's one of the most verbose, I think, of all his Pirushim. He wrote, he didn't exactly write it, his Talmud wrote it. But uh, it's it, nevertheless, it's, it's it's difficult to learn, and <clears throat> it, but it is it's fascinating in um, on, on a number of levels, and that's why I felt that it would be very valuable to even just learn how the Gra deciphers one pasuk in Mishlei, because it'll give us insight in what we're supposed to be doing when we learn Mishlei. So, uh, if you've ever learned, tried to learn Mishlei, or you've seen definitely seen Sukkim in Mishlei, so. Uh, it's not a safer that could be learned Pashup Shat. There's just, it's not, almost no advantage doing that. Uh, you, you could learn Pashup Shat, you could learn the translation, and it's just a collection of uh, statements, seemingly random. Some of them seem to give direction, other ones just, it's very repetitious. Uh, it doesn't seem to have any clear connection between the Psukim and the Prakim. Um, te- essentially, uh, assuming that Mishlei is what it the word means, which is it's mishalom, so it means it's parables. So essentially learning the psukim, what you're doing is you're learning like all the mishalom without knowing what the nimshal is, right? So imagine you heard all the mishalom of the Dibna Magad about the prince and the king and the pauper, and you didn't hear his explanation, what it means. That's really what you're doing in a certain way when you're learning mishlei without having any kind of explanation to what is it supposed to teach us. And uh, in addition, the Mishlei is full of difficult words, very uh, similar words with very similar meaning, like right in the beginning, the first couple of psukim, Arma, Das, Mizima, they all mean different words of wisdom, understanding, depth. You know, we can trans- you can find different words in English, but they- it's hard to know what exactly they mean and what they're, they're referring to. So the Gra, in his Pirish, on almost every Pasuk, he does a number of things, <clears throat> and he does this without fail. He will always explain the difference between the different terminologies. So if he has Das and Chachma, he'll tell you what the difference between Das and Chachma is in reference to this particular usage. And he'll bring um, proofs often from different uh, psukim. And very often his proofs are very illuminating about the psukim that he's quoting. Like how he understood those psukim or how he understands different Mishnayas sometimes that he quotes. So he'll first of all explain the language very, very clearly. Um, and then he does a very interesting thing, which he says himself, is that he explains both the mashal and the malitza. Mashal is the, the parable, the, 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 the actual pasuk itself, and the malitza is a word used in Mishlei, means the nimshal, right? So it's the explanation. And he says that the fact that they're both written is that they're both coming to teach you something, meaning when the, there's a mashal which compares uh, an Avera to uh, a certain kind of temptation is teaching you about the Avera, but it's also teaching you about the temptation. So both the Mashal is there to teach you something, and the Nimshal is there to teach you something, and they both reflect back on each other. And we'll see that today very clearly, how from the way the Mashal is about a father and a mother, and then it's referring to something totally different, but then we'll learn a lot about a father and mother as well. So that's why it's a really fascinating kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> then he does, uh, the, he, also within a few words, he will also 
demonstrate how the Pasik binds together, because like almost every Pasik in Mishle is a contrast. It starts off this and that, Chacham and, an, and a fool. Uh, Yerushimayim and someone who's not a Yerushimayim. So he'll, un- he'll explain the contrast within the Pasik and then the way it fits in within the sequence of Sukkim. So it's a lot, and what you'll see he does it within very, very few words, and it takes a lot of work. So I, when I was learning uh, the Grah Mishle, I was like wondering, how could it be that nobody wrote a Pirish on it? And uh, looked around, yeah, I have which has hundreds of thousands of svarim, um, and nobody really wrote a pirish. And I thought that was, uh, you know, that's that's an album, that's terrible. How could how could it have gone so long without um, without anybody writing an explanation? And now I will see after just learning one small little accidents, after learning one small little pa- pasuk. Uh, and how much effort it'll take to understand it and how much technically we can write to just understand it, uh, we'll come to the conclusion that to write a safer on of explanation of the Grand Mishle would actually be a whole shelf of books. <laughs> Probably you could dedicate a safer to each parak. Very similar, Brevda did that to the Gain and Shirashirim. He has a safer for each parak. So Shirashirim is only eight, and he unfortunately passed away after four. So there's four volumes for what we have. So the Grand is not that different. So it will be, it will be quite a job to, uh, to do. <coughs> the, his Talmud uh, was Menachem Mendel of Shklov. Uh, he was extraordinarily dedicated to the Gra, and he wrote it, uh, he did the Gra, dictated it, but he writes himself that at times the Gra would only hint the things, and then he would write, and he writes it in parentheses in his Pirish, and then he would ask the Gra, is this what you meant? And the Gra would nod his head. Uh, I guess yes, <laughs> that he did. That is what he. Uh, that is what he meant. Now, many of the Purushim of the Gra actually involve a lot of Kabbalah Diga concepts, which we're not familiar with, uh, unless someone is. But otherwise, so those, I end up skipping those when I'm learning that, learning it. So that cuts out a percentage of it, and then the other ones are just too hard to figure out. I skip those. But even with what's left, there's a tremendous amount you can learn. Okay, so let's let's see, um, let's learn a pasuk, and it's a pasuk in Mishlei that everybody is familiar with. Even Shimi Frank is familiar with this Pasuk. It's a Pasuk you say every day. Shema b'ni Musar avichav al titus taras imacha. Right? It's a Pasuk from Mishlei. It's in the first parak of Mishlei, Pasuk Ches. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sure. Um, I remember at some point learning Mishlei where the teacher like took random pieces of Mishlei mm-hmm. and categorized them based on subject mm-hmm. versus like learning Mishlei linearly. So when you're learning Mishlei or when we're learning Mishlei, are we doing like, are we just like learning a snippet of it for the sake of learning a piece of Mishle and seeing what happens, or is there an assumption that Mishle is like linear and that you can learn it the whole way through? Uh, you could. Uh, the grass certainly tries to devise a way to do that. Uh, if we would understand everything he's saying, I think we would appreciate that. But I think what we'll do tonight, uh, we'll demonstrate uh, what the Gra tries to do, like I just explained. He'll show how the Pasik has a chat, how the two parts of the Pasik play together, how each word in the Pasik makes sense, and then how it plays a role in the larger Perik, from the, the sequence of Sukkim, and so on and so forth. And then there's, there's, there's a lot of follow-through in the Gra. Like each Perik usually touches on a lot of the same things, develops it further, and so on and so forth. Okay. So, um, so let's, let's, take the, let's, take, let's start with this Pasik, okay? So there, there's, we're going to actually start with the Pasik right before that because the Gra is going to reference it. We're going to see how Rashi says Pshat. Now Rashi actually is going to be saying similar to the Gra, but without the whole additional explanation. So let's see. There's two Pesukim in a row. So the first Pasik is in Parakal Pasik Zion. It's Yerus Hashem Reish Das, uh, Fear of Hashem. 
Right, Yer Shemaim is the beginning of wisdom. Chachma u Musar Avilum Bazu. Right, so here already you have Das and Chachma and Musar. Three things, right? Uh, wisdom, uh, Chachma, also wisdom, Musar. Nobody knows how to translate Musar. <laughs> I tried once. Uh, there's no good English translation for the word Musar because it means so many different things. Uh, Musar could be rebuke, it could mean introspection, it could mean character traits, it could mean a whole. Uh, I ended up just translating it Musar <laughs> and then using it as, uh, as necessary. But the Groh actually does t- translate Musar in a number of places, and it's uh, not for today, but it's a very insightful way to think about what Musar means. But for today, that's not so important. So, Das, Chachma, Musar, Avilam, Bazar. So, but the first passage, which is not the main focus tonight, is that Yerushimayim is the beginning of wisdom, and uh, Avilam are fools. They they uh, disgrace uh, wisdom and Musa. They don't they don't find it important. Now Paziches is the passage we're going to focus on. Shema b'ni Musa avicha. Listen, my son, to the Musa of your father. Ve'al mecha, and don't abandon the Torah of your mother. Okay, a pasik that all our children and we've all we all say hopefully every day after Maidaani. Um, and it seems, I guess, on uh, peripherally, um, superficially speaking, it seems to be very straightforward, right? Just listen, follow the Messiah, follow what your father and your mother teaches you. But if you try to you just do even a basic cursory uh, thinking into what this passage may mean, um, you'll see this it's a little funny. Like, what, what is the father and what is the mother? Right? What is the father referring to? What is the mother referring to? What's the difference in the father's lesson and the mother's lesson? And in the father it says, Shema b'ni Musar listen to the Musar of your father, but by the mother it says, Altitas, don't abandon, which would, uh, which would sound like you've already heard it, and just don't abandon it, whereas the father were telling you, listen to it. And in addition, um, one is referred to Musar, and one is referred to as Tyra. So there's a number of very, you know, scriptural chat, what is, what, is, what, what is the Pasuk referring to, what is it trying to tell you, and uh, why, is it, what is, why is it changed the language. And the, the Gra is going to address all of these, we'll see, it'll take a little time as we get to each one, but he will, he will, uh, he will address it. So first let's see Rashi. So Rashi on the first Pasuk, um, we'll skip for a moment, let's go to the Rashi on the second Pasuk, Musar Avicha. HaKadosh um, Baruch so Avicha Rashi says, is your, your father here is actually referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Avicha, again, would be the Mashal, and the Melitza, the Nimshal, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mashinasan b'sinai b'ksav al So the Musar Avicha Rashi says, means the Torah, and Rashi says it refers to the whole Torah, both Torah Shabiksav and Torah Shabalpeh, that was given to Moshe. That's what the Pasuk means, Shema b'ni Musar Avicha, listen to the Musar of your father, it means Torah. And what's Imecha? Imecha Rashi says, Umascha means Knesset Yisrael, so Umascha means your nation, uh, referred to as a mother. And Kamoi Ma'ima Imcha Lavia, it's a Pasik in Yicheskel, okay? Behem Divrei Seifrim, Rashi says it refers to Durabanans, things that were Nishadish after the Torah was given. Shechitshuva Sifo Suliyah Sayagla they made it as a guardrail for the Torah to uh, protect us from transgressing other mitzvahs. Okay, so at least now we have a mashal and a nimshal, right? We have a mashal that listen to your father and listen, don't, don't abandon your mother. We have the nimshal, the nimshal is listen to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, listen to the Torah. I'll teach this Torah don't abandon what the what Chazal have added, which are the guardrails. It doesn't help us so much understand um, why one is Musr, why one is uh, Taira, and why exactly Akash Baruch is referred to as the father, and why your the Klal Yisrael and the Chazal are referred to as a mother. We understand that Rashi tells us that's the mashal, but we don't know why. Like there, if it's a mashal, there has to be a reason for it, right? Uh, 
the king in the mashal, there's always a reason why the king refers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We understand he's the king, right? The pauper is the... So, you know, there has to be a reason why the father here is HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the nation is the mother. So now let's see how the Grah um, tackles this Pasuk. And he is going to... Every aspect of this will be explained. So the Grah says, this is the, the in actual Grah on Mishle, in the actual Sefer itself. So most, most of the Sefer is just the Pirish Agra. In a lot of the versions, in the first parak, basically, the first two prakim, I don't know why only there, they have, they've added two things. One is called Chem de Gnuza, and one is called Lakute Hagra. Lakute Hagra is, it like, it uh, brings from the Gra in other places. Chem de Gnuza is things that were printed for the, uh, from the Gra posthumously. So we're going to learn both over here. It's on the first parak, so we have both of them. We'll see how much it helps us understand what the Gra is actually trying to say. So let's see what he says here. Musar so he learns slightly differently than Rashi. Musar Avicha is Teresh Biksav. So that's the written Torah. Um, means the Torah, you know, Chamisha Chomsha Torah. It's safer Torah. But Teresh Imecha, Hu Teresh Abalpeh. No. So Teresh Imecha is not like Rashi says, it's the Rabbanans. It's the Gzeris Dechazal. No, it means Teresh Abalpeh. It means everything that we have uh, from the Gemara, Mishnayis, that explain Teresh Abiksav. Teresh Abiksav is very, very. Uh, very, very little there in terms of helping us understand what Hashem wants from us. And uh, we need Shabbat Peh, we need what Maish Rabbeinu was Mechabal and what Archachamu were Mechabal, how to understand each Pasik, how to understand each, each Mitzvah to expound upon it. That's called Teresi Mecha. Uvachlalus. Now, so there's going to be three steps here in this graph. So first he says that's Pashapshat in the, the Nimshal. The simple Nimshal over here is. It's Teresh Shabbat and Teresh Shabbat Then he says there's another level here. It's called Klalos, which means there's an overarching idea that the Pasik together is coming to teach you. And what is that? The Tupsukim together. Like I, like I, was, I was saying before, that he doesn't only explain a Pasik in terms of itself. He will then take it to the, in contrast to the Psukim around it, and it changes slightly. These two Psukim, which is the first one, was Yeras Hashem Reishas Das, that the beginning of wisdom is, is a fear of Hashem, and then Shema B'ni, it refers to three things. Taira, Umitzis Asei, Vilais Asei. Three things. Taira, as a whole. Mitzis Asei, the positive commandments. Vilais Asei. And he explains, Hainu Reish's Das, Hua Taira. So Reish's Das, which is the first Pasik, the beginning of wisdom, refers to Taira in general. Ushema, this that we say, listen to your father, is referring to Mitzvah Sasei. Va'al Titoish, and don't abandon, is referring to Mitzvah Sasei. Okay, so this is step two. He, he explained it how, it, how it fits into the Tupsukim. And then, we're going to have to explain all this, obviously. And then, the third step is how a greater picture, that these three things don't just represent three, like, kind of random things. Taira, Mitzvah, let's say, no. So, the mashal and the Nimshal are very, very closely related. There are three Shutfim in a person. That's, we're all familiar, right? Everybody bar mitzvah bachar, I mean, used to at least, would say they would fi- finish his speech that way, there are three uh, partners in, uh, in, in every person. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the neshama, then the father and the mother kind of, c- contribute different parts of the, of the body, according to the Gemara. So Taira, Mitzvah Sasei, Mitzvah Sasei, represent the three Shutfim Ba'adam, father, mother, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why one pasuk is Yerush Hashem Reish Das, and the other is Avicha Animech. Okay, right? That's it. 
That's the end of the Bir Hagra. And then you go to the next Pasuk, right? So, like I said, this is not, this, so it's, it's definitely enlightening. He's definitely coming to teach us something, but now let's try to figure out what it is that he's teaching us. And it's, it's truly uh, amazing. When we start to get to the bottom of what he's trying to say, it's, uh, it's, an, it's just an amazing thing. So, like I said, luckily we have a Lakute Hagra. We have a, uh, the Gra brought down in other places where he expounds further on it, and he teaches us a little bit of what he meant. So take a look. It's the next piece here. To be able to understand the differences, Sha'amar, Shema. Right, so he tells us first of all what questions he's coming to answer. It's very helpful. So it says Shema, listen, Va'al, and don't abandon Musar. On one hand it calls it Musar, on the other hand it calls it Tairas. It says Avicha, and then it says Himecha. So we're trying to understand all these four different uh, three different contrasts, Shema and Altitoish, which is one contrast, Musar and Taira, another contrast, Avicha Imecha, a third contrast. What are all these things referring to? So he explains, Musar Avicha Zu So Musar Avicha is the Taira Shabiksav, like he said before, and Taira Simecha is Taira Shabapeh. So he says, Visibo, what is the reason? Why is it that the written Taira is, com- is compared to a father? Because in the written Torah, all the mitzvahs that are written in the Torah Shabbat and our written Torah, they're only written a very general directive to keep a mitzvah without really giving you too much instructions how to keep that mitzvah. Right? Because the Torah didn't really explain the details. Uh, he'll give a marshal in a moment. I'll just, just say it here to understand what he means. He says, like, for example, the example he gives is mitzvah sukkah, right? So the Torah says build a sukkah, okay? Now, we don't know what to build a sukkah out of. We don't know what to make the schach out of. We don't know how much schach there needs to be. We need a Gemara to tell us there has to be more shade and then sun. We need a Gemara to tell us how tall a sukkah has to be, how wide it has to be minimally, and many, all those halachas that you have hanging on the poster on your wall. You know, those are all Torah Shabbat All the Torah said is build a sukkah. That's it. So that's a very general directive, whereas Torah Shabbat gives all the details and explains actually how the mission needs to be done. And now he says why that is like a father and a mother. So he says, Kasher Ha'av, on the third line over here, Kasher Ha'av Yitzavu A father will com- command his son or daughter the, the right, correct path, and he'll just say it as a klal, he'll just say it as a general directive, you know, be good. But the mother... The mother will pay, pay attention, will focus, will concentrate her heart and soul on him, on her child, to give him direction. What is the correct path? And what is the right way, uh, the proper path? What, what is, how do you do that? And will warn him away from all the details of the Averis. And will show him how to be Mekayim and how to follow all the parts of the mitzvahs. And all the good character traits. To keep him uh, on the straight path and not to go crooked when he's trying to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Likewise, teaches us the different parts of a mitzvah. 
for example, but Tereshavixav, in Tereshavixav, Hadilana Shem Yisbarach, Sivan Lasa Sukkah. So the Tereshavixav tells us you have to make a Sukkah. Shem Yisbarach wants us to make a Sukkah. But we still have to know. How do you build it? Maybe more sun than shade is kosher. Vishar Pratal, and all the other details. Vichain Mitzvis, and likewise Mitzvis, Vishar Mitzvis, Savaduk to Kem, and all the details of the Mitzvis. Tereshabopem, Bavaran Yafiyaf, Amakam Bita, and Tereshabopem explains all of them. Okay. So what did he tell us now? This is already a very fascinating insight into father-mother roles, right? So he says here that um, uh, he, he actually goes further than this, which I didn't include because it gets a little bit academic, a little technical, but it's actually brilliant. He demonstrates from numerous places in Shas where Teresh HaBiksav is referred to in terms of a father and Teresh HaBipalpeh is referred to in terms of a mother. Um, you may be familiar with one. There's a concept called a Binyan Av. A Binyan Av means when Tupsukim are to teach something about the other one. So when you use Tupsukim to teach about each other, it's called a Binyan Av. But he says other times it's, uh, the Gemara refers to something as Yesh Aim Lemesiris. So sometimes they refer to it as a mother and sometimes refer to a father. And he demonstrates one is Teresh has one Teresh which is brilliant. He goes through these things which you wouldn't think about otherwise. But now let's try to understand what he said. So he says, what does the father do? The father gives the, a directive, right? He cut in the, wakes up in the morning, he wakes up, uh, he says, okay, be good. Uh, listen to your mother, and then he goes to work, right? <laughs> uh, and then the mother is left with the job the rest of the day, uh, telling the kid, okay, behave in school, make sure you dab and be kind. Did you bench yet? It's almost concise. And, and all the other things that mothers tell their children, you know, how exactly they should keep that directive of being good, right? Now, I will say that uh, it doesn't necessarily mean father and mother. It's just a general, uh, it's a generality based on that concept, but it is, I think, if we think about it, almost in every aspect of parenting, there is a father role and a mother role, just not always the father does it or the mother does it, meaning there's always one parent that takes the, okay, just do it, and then there's the other parents who will actually take the trouble to explain, and this is what you do, and this is how you do it, and stay on top of the kid and make sure they, they, they listen, and if they don't listen to make a consequence, and so on and so forth. Uh, it, it could be interchangeable depending on what the topic is, probably depending on the kid, depending on the time of year, so on and so forth. It, but there's always one and another, and it tends to actually annoy parents a tremendous amount, right? <laughs> that why do I have to be the one? Why you just say that and you leave, and then I have to take over, right? But the gra is saying that it's not a, uh, it's, it's actually needs to work that way. It actually needs to work that way, and I never thought about it before I learned this gra. But if you do think about it, there's a lot of depth to it, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, why, so let's go back to his nimshal, and then we'll make, understand back to the mashal. The nimshal is Teresh Sav and Teresh right? So Teresh Sav gives us general direction, and Teresh goes and writes out everything. Why is it like that? I mean, why couldn't Hashem just write everything out? Why was it necessary to have this general directive and then have to Chazal explain everything uh, in, in, in detail? It would have been so much simpler if everything would be explained. So I imagine there's numerous ways to answer that question. But I think what the Grah is saying, how he's answering that question, is he's saying like this. He's saying that there's a, an advantage to a general direction and there's a disadvantage. 
the disadvantage of a general direction is pretty obvious, right? If I tell you, I tell, you tell your kid, okay, don't go to sleep late, right? Okay, well, that's a lot of interpretation is, 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 uh, is, is possible there, right? How, what is late? Uh, what's called going to sleep late? Is it tonight? Is it tomorrow night? Every night? So, you know, you can, you can give a lot of interpretation. But on the other hand, uh, if you're very specific, that also has a disadvantage. If you say, don't go to sleep tonight past 9 p.m., okay, so... Now the expectation is clear. At nine o'clock, you have to go to sleep. Okay, that's tonight. What about tomorrow night? You didn't say, say tomorrow night. If you say don't go to sleep ever past nine p.m., that may work, but there are going to be times that, that that doesn't work. It's a late matzah Shabbos, and you only made Abdullah at nine p.m. Okay, so now that fell apart. So you need actually a general directive of don't go to sleep late, and that's a general directive, and that can be applied in every situation. That's a directive. You know, it is open to interpretation, but it's important that the directive should be there. And then there's a specifics which can help you navigate how you apply it to each situation. In this situation, this is what light means. In that situation, this is what light means. So in, in our Torah, and Rashi points this out so many times, is there is Shivan Panam Latayra, which means the Torah has so much depth and there's so much that is included in the words of Torah Shabbat that to write it out would just limit it. And it would prevent us from understanding how many things it can be applied to, how many situations it covers, how many concepts it, 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 it is, are included in the words. So when, when uh, the, the Torah gives us a concept of chesed, it gives us a generality, and then there are so many things that can be included within that. There are so many ideas that are, are part of chesed. chesed. All the things that we mentioned, all the things we say in the morning, those are all under one commandment of the Torah of Chesed. Because if the Torah would have said five things, but then there's another five other things that may also be Chesed. The Torah would have spoken out, and being Menachem Abel. So we say, okay, that's it. Those are the three Chesed we have to do. We don't have to do any other Chesed. So it's we don't have to do it. You know? So it's, it's the Torah rather gives a general directive which refers to everything, and then Chazal took the trouble to explain. And by definition, they're just giving you some of the details, but there's always more that can be understood from the, word, from the words. So... In terms now, going back to parenting, there is actually a value in that. Whereas one parent rem- demonstrates or represents a very clear, strong, unbendable directive, because the directive, in the, if it's a, if it's general enough, then there is no compromise in that directive, which is a very important and valuable part of parenting. In details, there's always going to be compromise because you can't always apply it, right? Like I said, you say 9 o'clock, it's not going to apply every time, 9 o'clock. So by definition, in details, you have to be willing to compromise and adjust and figure it out as you go along. But in a directive, there could be no, 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 no room for, for, uh, you know, for, for compromising or for, or, or, or for misunderstanding. I know this going to sleep late is bad, right? So depending on whatever it is, it's going to affect you. You're going to be tired the next day. It's going to affect your ability. You're going to waste time. It makes all kinds of bad things. I'm just sticking to one muscle. But the concept is that there actually is importance in having two forces in parenting. Again, it doesn't always have to be one parent doing one and the other parent doing the other. That certainly tends to bother people, but if it's, uh, it, it should and, and almost always has to interchange because depending on what the particular topic is, one parent usually is more suitable for setting the general tone and another par- parent is more suitable for then helping the child navigate the particular uh, expectations.
So, that's Avicha and Imecha. Avicha is Teresh Abiksaf, and Imecha is Teresh Abapeh. Okay? But we're not finished yet. He, he goes even further. He goes even deeper. Take a look at the next piece of the girl over here. This is in the Chem de Gnuza. Ki Hatayra Yigzar Oimer so the Torah will only will say it as a directive, and it won't really give reasons. And Torah Shabbat also supplies reasons. In other words, Torah Shabbat doesn't only explain Torah Shabbat it doesn't only tell us how to do it and how to apply it and what kind of sukkah to build. It also gives us the reasons, right? The Gemara will give us the reason for a mitzvah. It will tell us the, the motivation to do the mitzvah. The father will say, just do it. And the mother will try to explain it, and she'll do it in a soft voice. Again, uh, father-mother over here is not necessarily that role, but again, it is two roles. So there's the fa- there is one parent that will say, just listen to me because I said so. And then there's another parent that will say, okay, but this is why. You know, this is what your advantage is. If you don't listen to your father, it's eventually going to work against you. And really, he just means it for your best, right? All the, all the, the parenting, um, uh, what do you call them, the... <laughs> <coughs> you know, those, those sayings that we always say, it's the best thing for you. And uh, this part I love the best. Maybe the child will say, I'm ready to hear what my father wants me to do. I don't need my mother to constantly explain to me what I have to do, how I have to do it. It still says, no, 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 don't stop listening to your mother, right? So this is when your teenage or whatever age kid says, I heard what, the thousandth time you're going to tell me the same thing. I know, I know it already. Stop telling me to do it or not to do it. So the rest says, yes, I know you want to do this, but I'll teach this. This next time you can quote that to your kid. When they tell you that, you don't have to tell me again. I do have to tell you again. <laughs> Before it's impossible. So anyway, so the Grah, um, what, what, what did the Grah add here? So the, <clears throat> the, the Grah is explaining another level of depth in this two, uh, two-part parenting model. We are it's similar to the same idea as we were saying before, but it also has, uh, it has another aspect to it, meaning we were, before we were saying the importance of strength and, and giving one parent giving a directive which can't be modified, which can't be compromised, and then the other parent making, giving the details and setting the expectations, which will have some modification, but it'll at least help the child understand. Now he's saying there's another aspect to it. The Teresh of Iksav doesn't have reasons. And there is a very important part of parenting where you follow the directive of a father or a mother simply because they gave the directive. And then there's another aspect of parenting where you can't expect us as children of a Kaddish Baruch Hu or our children to just listen without being motivated, without being given reasons why, without being encouraged, without giving them understanding. They're not, right, they're not, they can't follow like a robot. They need inspiration, encouragement, incentives, and pushing. So that's a mother role, according to what the Grah is saying. So the Torah Shabbat doesn't explain everything, at least in terms of the reasons and the benefit and the schar. The Torah doesn't explain it because there is an important benefit in listening simply because you have to listen. And the importance of that is also comes back to the non-compromising aspect, because if you think you know the reason, then obviously you'll make the deduction that, okay, then the reason doesn't apply, and then I can do differently, and the Gemara you know, talks about this in regards to like Shleim that the Torah 
says, don't marry too many wives because they'll be matas lavave. So over there, the Torah actually said a reason. Don't marry too many wives because they'll cause your heart to go, to go away from Hashem. And he said, I am confident I can. I can do it. Uh, and he married a thousand women, and, and the, the Pasik says in the end, they did cause his heart to go astray. So the, the, the Gemara uses that as an example that the Torah almost never gives a reason for why it's commanding you to do what it says, because you'll use that reason to limit the commandment of the Torah, and it's important to never limit the commandment of the Torah, because there's so much more than we know about it. So the, the, the Av over here is that commandment without reason, just follow it because I said so. That's an important part of parenting, to some extent. And at the same time, even in the same thing, there's another parent that will also step in and say, but, you know, it's also good for you, and we only mean your best, and, you know, all the other platitudes that we, th- we throw at children. So that's, that's, the, that's the, another level of depth in the, co- the comparison of Teresh Sav to Ter- and Teresh to father and mother. And again, that the beauty of this is what the Gros says in the beginning of his Pirish, is that it teaches us both the Nimshal, but it also teaches us a lot about the mashal, right? So it teaches us about a father and mother, even though the father and mother are just the mashal for the nimshal, right? It teaches us about tereshav l'ksav, tereshav l'pev, but now we've learned both ways. <clears throat> so we've now learned a number of things, right? So we've learned the, why it's called Shema Musar Avicha. Listen to the uh, admonishment of your father, whereas it says al So the Gra explained it. We didn't get to that part, and we're not going to get to it because that's already it's getting too deep. Uh, the why one is mitzvah and one is mitzvah But the Gra explained that's why one is shema and one is al because al is always a language used for leisaseh, um, whereas shema is mitzvah But also. In this other piece, the Chem de Gnuzi explained is because what the mother is doing, the child might say, I don't need to hear that anymore. I know it already. I know why I need to do it. I know why you want me to do it. You don't have to keep on telling it to me. And that's why he says there's a concept of altitish. No, you do have to constantly hear it. And, and don't abandon it, even though you think you know it already. Now, let's just get to the last piece of the Gra, where he says, he ties us into the two psukim, and he ties us into the greater picture of, uh, of, of the three Chalkei Atayr, okay? So let's take a look at the last piece over here. Um, it's on the other side. Okay, so this is another piece of, of uh, Likutei Agra where he explains it further. The Torah has three parts to it. The part that uh, you, that's meant to understand, to learn, to to... To, to immerse ourselves in. So that's the learning the concept of learning Torah. Then there's mitzvah saseh and leisaseh. And there's the mitzvah saseh part of the Torah, positive commandments, and mitzvah leisaseh. And a person has three partners that create him, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the father, mother, and Hashem. V'zeh Reish's Das, and Reish's Das, which is the first Pasuk, Hu HaTorah LaHagaz That means the Torah referring, when we say Torah, we're referring to the aspect of Torah, that means we learn it, we try to understand it, we immerse ourselves in it. Shema B'ni, Hu Mitzvah listen to your father, your, 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 your father, that's the commandments, V'al Titesh, Hu Loisaseh, because Kal Makam Shenem Al Pen. So, I'll just explain a little bit of it, at least a little bit I can understand of it, to try to make sense and how it fits into what he's been saying till now. The Gemara says, right, that the father, mother, and, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are Shutfim. So what is the Shutfis? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides the Neshama. The father provides, if I remember correctly, the Gemara says it provides like the bones or the sinews, the, the harder parts of the body, whereas the mother provides the flesh and the, the softer parts of the body. <clears throat> and uh, in terms of what he's saying, it means like this, that 
just as he's been saying all along, that the father provides a certain strength to the child. And strength here, we're talking about not just literal physical strength, but also strength of mission. Um, and the father, in, when, when uh, we lived in Eretz Yisrael, when things were the way they were supposed to be, the father was the person who determined what shavit you're from, right? Simply by virtue of being your father. Your shavit had very much an important uh, role in what your mission was. Uh, if you were one shavit, you had one mission. If your easy one is like shavit Levi, right? You had one mission, whereas other shvatim had other missions. But even within the shvatim, every shavit had a very, very different and defined mission. They lived in different parts of Eretz Yisrael. The different parts of Eretz Yisrael were, were, were good for different things. One uh, dealt with outsiders. Those are people who lived on the border. The other people dealt with the insiders. So there was every shavit, according to their place, according to their nature, was, had a very, very different mission. So the father gave that structure Right, which the bone, bones represent in a person. And the way the Goyen is, is saying, that's Teir Shabik also represents a certain structure which is immutable. It can't be changed, it can't be modified. The bones aren't very pliable. They, can't, uh, they, 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 don't, they, they don't adjust. Whereas the mother gives the flesh, which is the ability to be soft, and the ability to accept difficulty and to change, which is a strength, not a softness, right? That's actually a greater strength in a way, is the ability to be able to be flexible and to be able to change with the different things that are thrown your way. So a person needs those two kinds of strengths. You need a strength of purpose to know what your mission is, to know what you're to, you need to do, to know what your directives are, things that you aren't going to compromise on. And you also then need a different kind of strength, which is the strength to be able to deal with all the adversities and all the challenges to be able to navigate around them sometimes bend, sometimes fall, sometimes fail, sometimes get up, and all those things to fall back into form after you've got pushed around. That's the strength that the mother, so to speak, provides for the child. So what is the third shutif? And that's the representative of Teresh of Balpeh. The third shutif, which is Akadish Baruchu, he provides the Neshama, which is actually the child's own Bechira. That's the child's own decision, his own choice to uh, choose his own mission according to what he understands what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from him. So a, ma- a father gives <clears throat> the directive that the father has been Makabal, which is the Teresh HaBiksav. The, ter- the mother gives the details, the expectations, and the ability to navigate and to change and to alternate as necessary. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the ability to a child to have their own unique mission and to make that choice on their own. And that's represented by the Teresh HaYimi, which means the necessi- necessity to immerse yourself entire to understand what it is Hashem wants from us. That's the only way we can choose, the only way we can make that choice. So that's uh, <clears throat> the way the Gra demonstrates how these two psukim fit together and how it fits together in the greater picture of the world, I guess. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a monumental piece. And so you take a step back for a minute, just look what this Pasuk was what the Gura did with this Pasuk, right? This is a Pasuk we say every day. <laughs> like I said, little children say this every day. Uh, and it seems to have a very simple kind of nice meaning, which it does. Uh, but now, through the Gura, we've both learned what father means, what mother means. But we've both learned what the Mashal is and what the Nimshal is. We've learned Teresh HaBiksav, Teresh HaBopeh. We've learned a lot of depth in what Teresh HaBiksav is and Teresh HaBopeh is. We've also learned a tremendous amount of depth in the roles of mother and father or mothering and fathering. And we've learned a greater picture in what that represents in how all the different parts of us, how we work together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how the father, mother, Chinuch, works together with what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave a child. All in this pasuk. It's just, it's like I said, it's mind blowing. But it's, it's one tiny little pasuk. <laughs> it's just a couple of lines. So you can imagine if you would, if we would try to, and we didn't even explain the whole grow. We didn't explain the mitzvah say, mitzvah leisa say part of it. So you could just picture, if you tried to do this with every pasuk, it would get very lengthy. So 
I wanted one other thing tonight. One other thing tonight is that I want to demonstrate another thing that the Grod does throughout um, throughout Mishlei, different places. The Grod says, I will call them, he himself calls them secrets, actually. He calls them Saitis. He says things that nobody else says anywhere else. And they are like, just very eye-opening and you know, just a different way of looking at things. This particular Grod that I'm, we're going to learn now uh, is... I may have mentioned it in Tanakh Shurim because it's very relevant to understanding the Vim Bechal, but we'll learn it inside this time. This is way, way later. This is a Gra'an Perak to Zion, so the 16th Perak, the first four Psukim. And uh, it's not, he's going to end up explaining all these four Psukim, but, but essentially he's going to tell us one you cite. That's, so it's not so important to really understand each particular Pasuk. But the Psukim, some of them are actually familiar psukim as well. So take a look at these psukim. The first plastic is So Adam, a person, a person can arrange his thoughts but Hashem controls what he says. Uh, does anybody know? Don't worry, it's okay if you don't, but do you want to know where we say this pasik? It's very infrequent. What? Yam Naraim. We don't even say it. The Chazan says it on Yam Naraim. Yeah. So it's, uh, he usually sings it and makes it. They open their own Kedish. It's the introduction to Malchis Chorene Shifris and the introduction on, on Rosh Hashanah and it's the introduction to, to uh, the Avaida on Yom Kippur. And what he's trying, the Chazan is trying to say is the other Marachelev, we can try to figure out what, what we want to say, but we need a Kaddish Baruch Hussiat to get the words out properly. So that's that passage. Next passage is Kol Darchi Ish Zach Be'enav. All a person's choices are pure in his eyes. Vesechin Ruchas Hashem. But Hashem measures a person's true desire. Third passage. Goel Hashem Masecha. And trust to Hashem all your affairs. Ve'ikainu Mach Shvesecha. And then your plans will be successful. The last passage is Kol Paul Hashem Lomaneu. All that Hashem created is for His sake. Ve'gam Rasha Lo Even an evil person for a bitter day. So, here, this is a classic, right? So he's four psukim. I mean, I guess we think we know what they're talking about. We have no idea what one pasuk has to do with the next, right? There doesn't seem to be any sequence with these psukim. Go ahead. You said the first pasuk, it's from, it's from Yom, Yom Narayim Davening. Is it only for Davening or in general? Uh, we apply it to Davening, but it is in general. Yeah, it's not specific to davening. We in in the in the nusach we're referring to davening when we say we we can think of what we want to be saying, but we need Hashem to help the words like like Hashem svasa tiftach. That's the same same concept. So anyway, so uh, like I said, these these four psukim are psukim which each one seems to be saying something. We don't really understand what the relevance one pasuk is to the next, um, and some of them, you know, we. Uh, we understand what the Musr is, right? Every person thinks what they're doing is right, but Hashem knows your true desire. Okay, but again, it seems like there's something deeper here, and we certainly don't see how this is a mashal. What is a mashal for? Right? This seems to be the nimshal already. So let's see what the Gra says. The Gra has, this, I'm, I'm in the middle of a long Gra, but this is where he starts the secret. So the Seda Inyan, he says, the secret of this Inyan shall abab sukim, these four psukim. Heim, derech laha adam, they're giving a direction to a person, eich lehisnaheg, what to do, v'leilech b'ritzayin yizbarach, to be able to follow what Hashem wants from him. Ve'etza taiva, it's giving you a good idea. Ki, l'chal adam v'adam, yesh, again, this is a secret. Ki, l'chal adam v'adam, yesh le derech b'fnei atzmai le'elech b'ay. Every person in the world has a unique 
path that he has to he has to follow. Because their way of thinking is not the same. They impart to fame Our appearance, our 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 faces, our features are not the same. And the nature of two people, our characteristics, the way we think, the way we talk, is not the same. When we used to have Nevi'im, they would go to, each person would go to a Navi, Lidrash Hashem, to seek out Hashem. And the Navi would tell him, using the, the, the rules or the ability that prophecy enables him, he would give each person his unique path that he should follow. According to the root of his neshama, the nature, according to the nature that Hashem entrusted him with. And that's what the first pasuk is saying. A person, it used to be, when we had Nevi'im, all you had to do is, all you had to do was make up his mind that I want to follow Hashem, I want to know what Hashem wants from me. And Hashem would answer you. Ma'ana is an answer. Hashem would give you an answer. Hashem would teach you how, what it is that He wants from you through a Navi. He would give you direction. Okay, so before we go further, let's think about this for a minute. I found this uh, eye-opening um, and very encouraging. Empowering, I should say. First of all, we always think of a Navi. And if you learn Naviim, for the large part, it seems like that. That the Navi... That he was like the advisor to the president, right? He spoke to a king, uh, you know, he spoke to the Kayan Gadol, he told Klaus they're all going to go to Gullus, or Klaus, they're going to get a Gaula, he built a base image. He was, he was busy with the big things. Uh, he wasn't busy with everybody, every Chaim Yankel and, and Shmerel, right? He was, he, he was a, you know, an important person. He spoke to Kaddish Baruch. Kaddish Baruch had a message. It was going to be this grand, colossal message that all of Klaus had to hear. And, you know, the, the, the Havdal of Alpha Abdullah, you were seeing the news, you know, President Biden called Square Rebel, right, to get him to, uh, to, to uh, endorse the, the, the Democratic governor, right? So, personally, I felt that that was a, re- a huge denigration in his own personal cover that he called it a Square Rebel, obviously. Uh, in re- real and realistically speaking, it's big denigration in the square. That was covered that Biden called him, but you're but I'm just saying. It's a huge <laughs> but regardless, with that putting politics aside, but just from a you know from an outside perspective that the president calls, but even that was the furthest he would go would call a rebbe who uh, you know influences thousands and thousands of people. He's not going to go call every individual, tell him okay, vote, do this, do that. And here the Gra is saying is a navi had a message from Hashem. For every individual person, right? So that means you got a call from the president through his agent. Every single person had a unique mission, and, and that was what the Navi was there for. So that itself is just changes our perspective on what purpose Naviim uh, served in Kaiswell. Number one. Number two, uh, it also helps us, I think, very empowering that if you need a Navi to tell us what our mission is, that should give us a little bit of an inkling what it means that we have a mission. Meaning, generally we think, uh, you know, within a community, within a like community, that we're all doing the same thing, right? Raising our kids, either working, not working, balancing this, balancing, balancing something. And, and uh, it seems like we're all doing the same thing. And especially when you live in a larger Jewish community, over here there's a little bit more um, ability for individuality. But if you live in you know, New York, Lakewood, it gets even harder to see how 
you know, you're doing different things. Everybody's pushing the same baby stroller and everybody's, <laughs> doing, everybody's driving the same kind of car. And it just, you get that feeling of generality that everybody's doing the exact same thing. So you think about it, but no, every person has a mission so unique that it requires a Navi with a message from Hashem to tell you what your mission is. That's how unique it is. That's, that, that, that's eye-opening and empowering. Wow, right? That, that, to give, just to give us some pause to think about there's something special about me that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created with my Sherish and Neshama, my Teva, my Guf that he gave me and my characteristics that he wants something specific from me. So much so that we needed a Navi. Problem is, we don't have Nabiim anymore. But the Gros says, all is not lost. This gets even better. The Gros says, the next paragraph, Ukeshebatla Hanavua, once Nabuwa became Batel, there was Ruach HaKadosh, right? So you had, you had an inspiration that was a holy inspiration from Hashem. The Ish Ruchai and each person, his own spirit, it would teach him what to do. Every single person has this Ruach HaKadosh. Okay? So what originally required a Navi, once Navua became Batal, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu instilled in every single person a Ruch HaKadosh. Now just to understand, uh, Navua was much clearer than Ruch HaKadosh. Ruch HaKadosh is more like a general kind of directive. Right? We don't actually, unless you're a very high level, you, don't, uh, can't, you can't decipher the Ruch HaKadosh within you, but it's a certain, I guess, a conscience of sorts that is a holy conscience that Hashem pushes us in a certain direction and that helps us understand what it is that He wants from us. We don't feel satisfied unless we're doing that. We don't feel fulfilled. We get that feeling of, you know, we're wasting our time. Those are all aspects of Ruch HaKadosh that HaKadosh Baruch Hu instilled in our Neshama to help us, guide us, and know what it is He wants from us. So it's not quite as clear as going to Navi and Him spelling it out, you know, this is what you need to do, but I didn't leave us abandoned. He gave us level next level, Ruach HaKadosh, which is the ability to make that decision. Um, I, uh, if uh, you ever looked in the Machser on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, so in the middle of Musaf Kedusha, there's this little tefillah, but you're supposed to think, I think, I don't know, you're supposed to think it, the article says you're supposed to think it, uh, it says that when the Chazan is saying the word Ayeh Mekayim Kavaydeh, so uh, in our shuls, they don't do it so much, but in the shul I grew up in, ayeh takes a very long time. The chazim would have like a nusach, he would stretch the word ayeh. And while he's stretching the word ayeh, there's a tefillah, three tefillahs that you can say. You can dab for one of three things. So one of them is parnasa, okay, good, you know, we all need that. Or you can dab in for um, children that are tzaddikim, tamil chamim, okay. Or you can dab for ruach ha-kaydish. And I always thought, okay, well, that's presumptuous, you know. <laughs> who's right, yeah, who's going to dab in? I mean, you have your choices here, right? Pardasa, we all need. Banim, we, we, uh, tzaddikim, we all want. Ruch HaKadosh. But the, what the Grah is saying, that gives me a new perspective. You know, it's, it's actually the opposite. The first thing we should dab for is Ruch HaKadosh. Because it's this Ruch HaKadosh. We're not talking about, you know, being of Chaim Kanievsky and knowing you can look on person's faces and know what to do. It just means to know yourself what to do. To know what it is Hashem wants from you. That's the Ruch HaKadosh that we're davening for. So, uh, he continues to grow, he says, but there's a little problem. The problem is, we have personal, uh, we have some personal desires that get mixed in. Ach, Ashrei Adam, we're in the second paragraph here, second line. Ach, Ashrei Adam lo yachshav Hashem lo avain, ve'em beruch Praiseworthy is a person that Hashem, you know, he hasn't sinned and he is totally honest with himself. Uh, Aval im, the three dots means that he wrote more in the 
I'm not writing everything he wrote. If he has even a tiny little bit of personal interest and personal vendetta that is, uh, can then sprout into something bitter, if he tries to follow in his own direction. So this is the second passage. The problem is every person finds his way to be pure in his eyes. So you can then utilize this Ruch HaKadosh unfortunately for the wrong thing. And you can say, I know this is the right thing. My heart tells me this is the right thing to do, and it must be Ruach HaKadosh, and, and then we'll, we'll just do whatever it is that we want to do. So if we, not, we aren't pure, if we aren't truly pure, if we know that we, we do fall into our desire and we don't always do the right thing, then it's very hard to rely on this Ruach HaKadosh that is pushing us and that we're not really, you know, kind of pushing, misdirecting it. So what do you do then? So he says, V'zeu, it means that this is now we can't we're not holding on that level even that anymore we can't rely on this rule hakodesh to push us which way to go because we can't be sure that we're honest and true instead what we should do is to make sure that whatever we do our maisim our mitzvahs our, our actions should be what Hashem wants hainu what Hashem wants us to do and then our plans will be successful. Kloimar, Hamaisim Atzman, the deeds themselves, Shehain, Mitzvah make sure that if you're doing something, it's a Mitzvah or if it's something you're not supposed to do, Zahiris Mitzvah Seh, those will be the things that will truly direct you. So, I'll skip the last two lines. So what he says, and this is a, a fascinating directive, and it's actually a directive with the Grum, that the Grum himself lived by. He says, nowadays, we don't have the ability to know for sure that what's pushing us is really the good thing or the bad thing. We can't know that. So what do you do instead? How do you know what to do? He says, the way you do it is, just follow what the Torah says. If it's a mitzvah, do it. If it's an avera, don't do it. Right? Okay, that sounds like a, a major oversimplification, right? But strangely, uh, it would be, you'd be surprised and that using that as an, a... Uh, a guideline that, that can't be compromised would actually inform our decisions in a very tremendous way. For example, this is a story with the Gra himself, just to give you an idea what this means. The Gra very much wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael. And uh, that was a very, very difficult decision to make, right? So that was Gidel's and Flores. He thought that that's where he was meant to be. He was meant to live. And his Talmudim actually did go to Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Machem Nachem Mendel Mishklov, who was the author here, he moved to Eretz Yisrael and he established a community in Tzfas and then Yerushalayim. He was the whole com- community of Ashkenazim had been defunct in Eretz Yisrael for 100 years. He reestablished it. The Gra himself very much wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael. Everybody didn't want him to go to Eretz Yisrael, right? He was the Rabbi Mishal called Nehegayla. He was the one who was leader of all of Jewry in, in, uh, in Lita, in Lithuania. So it was a very difficult decision. That's something you truly do need real Chakadosh about, right? Should, should he go? Shouldn't he go? He wanted to go. He was about to go. And he then found out that on the ship, he would not, now, I, I, there's two versions of it. Either he would not be able to get challah because it wouldn't be yashan, or he wouldn't be able to get challah because there would be some question of telaim, the questions of the, the, the um, flower being wormy. So he wouldn't be able to be mekayim, the mitzvah of lechem, mitzvah on, of lechem mishnah on Shabbos. So he didn't go. That's exactly what he's saying here. He's saying that you don't know what's the right thing, but you do know how to keep the mitzvahs. So we wouldn't think that way. We would say, okay, well, we're going to Eretz Yisrael. That's like a huge life-changing event. There's a couple of weeks that I won't have Lacha Mishnah. It's happened, right? A Jew is not eating Lacha Mishnah. It shouldn't be the end of the world. 
But the Gra, exactly what he's saying here is that if you actually uh, use the Torah as a an ultimate direction, that if it's a, if it's going to fit into the mitzvahs, then I do it, and if it's not, I won't. It can actually inform just about all of your decisions, and it's a fascinating thing to think about. We don't think like that because we don't have the same kind of respect for mitzvahs. Um, there are other stories um, that you may have heard, you know, about different gedolim, and there are some that are very, you know, definitely more like this. Um, you know, with the Briskrov and 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 and, his, and and so on and so forth. We don't go into all these stories, but the idea is that this is not a bad idea in terms of how to figure out our own approach to Abed Hashem. For example, um, I heard this once from Ravnison Kaplan, and I thought it was a great point. You know, let's talk about mourning on the base of Mikdash. It's a very difficult thing to do, right? And it's a kind of a broad area of Abed Hashem where during the time of the nine days, are we supposed to act like this? Should we be doing that? Should we be going on that trip? Should we, you know, all these kind of questions. We're not sure what's right and what's wrong. So what he said was, there are actually halachas. And if you follow all those halachas, then you're mourning on the base of Mikdash the way Chazal intended you to do it. So it's a directive both in, in terms of if you stick to the mitzvahs, ultimately they will guide you in the right way and they will inform your decisions. And also if we stick to halacha and we stick to mitzvahs, they'll help us understand Hashem in general what it is Hashem wants of us. If we keep the halachas, and so I would say that... There are two times of year that I get the most shyless, right? So one is obvious, Pesach, right? The other one is not so obvious, is the nine days, right? The most shyless, more than Pesach, generally, I would say. And there's a very distinctive difference between those two times of year. In Pesach, every phone call, the person, whoever's asking the shyless, has the assumption that it's probably not allowed. Right? And they're asking that kind of to just verify that it's not allowed. During the nine days, the questions always are, I'm sure this is allowed. Am I allowed to do this? Right? <laughs> it's just a very different approach. And I think that, you know, that's a large part representative of how difficult it is for us to relate to mourning on the carbon. And were we to keep the halachas without trying to compromise them, without trying to, you know, find ways around them and loopholes, it actually, that would be, more than we can believe, uh, assist us in, in truly mourning on the carbon. Just a, a marshal. So this is, this is like I said, uh, one of the secrets that the Gras shares throughout Mishlech. There's a number of such things that he just says these things that doesn't say anywhere else. And it's eye-opening in so many different ways. So, um, uh, it's it's uh, it's a shame, like I said, that there isn't even an English translation of the Bir Hagra. But as you see, it w- I don't know how much it would help <laughs> to have an English translation. We'll be able to read it. You could but it's be the first. yeah, but I, I tried. <laughs> you should know I tried, That's and the then <laughs> I tried. I, I tried it, but I, there's no purpose in just writing an English translation. It won't help you that much. If you just read the English translation, you'd say okay, you know, and you just move on. It needs a purish and. So uh, maybe one, maybe one day someone will do it. Someone will undertake it, and because there's, there's a tremendous amount to learn from it. Have a good night. <laughs>